0: Anthony Darby. Chuck Henn. Peninsula Podcast. And we have Danny Hart
1: virtually with us today. How are you today, Danny?
2: Doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: So excited to have you on. Um like uh many small timor and small Maryland connections, uh I had a privilege of working with Danny in the ocean in Ocean City. Um I think at one point weren't you like Ocean Danny? Wasn't that like a, a name that you made? Danny,
2: yes. yes. <laughs>
1: Um, as you were uh, kind of grinding through the marketing and, and sa- sales uh, programs at Salisbury University and um, I kind of go through your own corporate journey as, as I kind of went through mine uh, in terms of finding kind of a, a, a long term fit and we both kind of ended up in this wellness slash um, just a better quality of life and, and, and questioning some of maybe the classic tales that we were told by our, our higher ups that this is how you get success. It's working 70 hours a week. It's grinding, drinking 12 cups of coffee, never exercising, never doing anything else. And, uh, we both burned out pretty quick. Right. So give me a little bit about your story and and where you are today.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I think when we first met as bartenders, um, I remember being kind of obsessed with psychology, right? And so I showed up to one of my first marketing classes at Salisbury and uh, Professor Morris asked, has anybody heard of the book Biology? It's like the truth and lies of why we buy. And I was like, actually, I've got it in my book bag right here and pulled it out. And uh, I think that that journey has started then, but really has continued. And now, um, you know, it, it started with, going to school for marketing and environmental studies so i got to see both sides of the spectrum if you will of the people that are super passionate about fixing real problems in the world but don't necessarily have the means to do it and then on the other side the marketers who are really great at selling things and grinding as you say but don't really always have the the real mission behind what they're doing or or can't really relate that You know, on the surface. So I always felt this draw in between the two my entire career. I did online fundraising for a while for nonprofits. That was nice because I raised money for nonprofits like the Wilderness Society and WWF and these large organizations that are making a meaningful impact. Um, And then I moved out to California and decided to start getting into tech, and that was first in helping people pay off credit card debt with lower interest rate loans. And in that journey, I met the former chief science officer of eHarmony, Dr. Galen Buckwalter. He was the chief science officer at the company at the time. And he started to really open my eyes around personality and also how uh, most Americans are dealing with financial stress that has the same symptoms as PTSD, um, which is like just totally mind-blowing for me. And so I started to then apply psychometrics to marketing and then ended up going to a company called Growth Hackers, where I led a 500-person conference around how to grow your company, learning from the tech startups like Facebook and Airbnb and Uber and all the the head honchos, which um, led me to my own burnout because I not only was sprinting this entire time, but also being exposed to both ends of those spectrums as i mentioned earlier i felt this natural draw of hey the way that these companies are operating and the way that we're teaching companies to grow really isn't sustainable and there are a lot of negative externalities that are occurring that we're not really putting into the mix of you know like what these companies are valued at and the whole incentive model going back to you know why people buy is really getting people hooked and getting them addicted to these products that we're now seeing are not always great for us. Um, so now I'm kind of refocusing those things, uh, the way that I approach work and, and really just starting with what does it mean to live a balanced lifestyle in this day and age with tech you know, at our fingertips at all times, And, uh, you know, I think it looks a little bit different for everybody. So that's what's exciting about the personality side to be able to draw some comparisons there. Um, But, yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of where I've been and where I'm at now.
1: So right now you're serving as the content or director of content for is it PsyML?
2: Yes. And that stands for psychology and machine learning
1: and what are you doing in that role are you obviously applying what you've learned and tell me some kind of the real life um, applications that you're doing in that role
2: yeah so as the director of content it's really um, helping to form the feedback of personality assessments so when somebody takes an assessment which We have a lot of different clients that use our services, but one example is FabFitFun, which is a subscription service where uh, people can get a box delivered with all of these self-care products. And so digging into their community, they now have a personality assessment that's related to self-care. So you can see what your personality is and what that means in terms of how you approach self-care. Um, we also applied this methodology at the the fintech startup which was what is your financial personality so you could start to see why you just why you make these patterns in your life and how you can live healthily or live healthy within those means so um, you know it really comes down to a model that we use which used to be ocean or the big five um, framework and now we've Gone to Hexaco, which is a more robust version of the Ocean Framework, and so Hexaco stands for honesty, humility, emotionality, extroversion, agreeableness, conscientiousness, and openness to experience. And so these six dimensions uh, were developed across cultures, languages, genders, everything to form what it may, what it means to be a human. And so most people, well, everybody really has a dominant trait where they stand outside of the norm of the rest. And so for me, I'm high openness. And so I write the feedback that goes directly to those people when they see, oh, I'm high openness, what does that mean? Um, So whether it's specific to a client or our own version that we have on uh, our website, simel.co slash personality, um, you can take a, a quick assessment there, but that's pretty much, how I operate now is writing that feedback specifically to those different personalities.
1: That's really neat. And it's funny. Question number four, what do you not want to talk about? Answer. Yeah. I'm an I'm open a, book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that correlates well with, uh, with, you know, the stigma that you just painted for yourself, which is cool. And, and that's
2: personality brand for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things that invited, you know, wanted me to have you come on today was we sat in my office when we were still, and I'm excited for you to actually be able to physically come and see what it looks like now um, downstairs. But, um, you know, just to have that openness and being able, to, it's tough sometimes when you're in that high pressure. Like I know that, um, that you were achieving a high level of success, but being open with yourself and being open with your peers and saying, look, just because I'm successful doesn't mean that I'm happy. And there's that expectation that like, you always have to be happy if you're having a high level of success. And unfortunately, there's not always that correlation. Sometimes that can be really tough to deal with internally, um, especially when you like walk the walk of look at me leading by example. And then all of a sudden, like you have a challenge, like that was one of the questions that I kind of wanted to throw at you was is you definitely don't lack any of the knowledge around um the psychology of, of how to handle your day. Right. And like what top performers do and you get all this feedback and you're, and you're constantly analyzing other people. So you have this in you. Um, are there like a couple, maybe high level things that you have to do to make sure that you constantly apply them for yourself and that you don't fall into some of those areas that, you know, are not good zones for you to be in.
2: Definitely. Yeah. And I think that this is now like when I coach people, this is kind of like the framework that I take them through because it started with me. Like I found something that worked really well for me and it led me to, okay, these are my guardrails and I need to live within these guardrails. And if I don't, then I know that I'm going to like either burn out or get depressed or super anxious. And so that starts with, what are the core values that you truly believe in? And it takes a little bit of self-exploration to get there. I I can send a link so that you can provide it in the show notes of uh, a simple exercise. It's like, it probably takes two hours to do. I revisit it every year just to make sure like, Hey, these are still the values that like I want to uphold because obviously things change, right? Like pandemics happen (laughs) and maybe like family becomes more of a priority than it was in the past because there's different environmental pressures. Um, but starting with those core values is what allows all of us to live with authenticity, right? And that is what leads to a life where we feel balanced. You know, if we're constantly, looking for, you know, monetary gains and stuff, and we don't know why we're doing that, then there's a clear disconnect. And so when we push our bodies to the limit and our minds to the limit, and we basically like, reach unhealthy level of stress, then it's easy to burn out and say, Why am I doing this? None of this matters. And then it's like a big collapse. So I think coming back to okay, core values, you have those guardrails, I have about six that I live by. And each of those six, like I check in every quarter to say, how am I meeting them? Because what I found is that in the past, I maybe was meeting three of them. And then the other three, just like, you know, health, for example, wasn't a priority, uh, family wasn't a priority, those things. And it it added up where I was like, okay, if I don't focus on these things, then I'm not going to feel authentic to myself and I'm going to burn out. Um, I'm, I'm very thankful that I had the experience of burnout to be able to come up with this and help lead other people down this path because I can't tell you what your core values are. Only you can do that, right? Like the self-reflection is really what's important, but I can help guide people through that. So that's, that's what's exciting now.
0: <laughs> so I guess I got a question. So a lot of this stuff, I mean, uh, like you've been speaking about, everybody's different. Everybody has their own set of core values. Everybody has dominant character traits. How much of what you guys do is figuring out, um, because I know, I guess you guys do some work with companies and stuff still too, Um, how much of this is like, okay, um, so you have a huge organization and everybody in the organization takes these personality tests and they come back and everybody's a little bit different. Are there ways to piece these different personalities together through like a set of core values, I guess, if that makes sense, like within an organization?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's important to just note, too, that there are no bad personalities and having varying values and varying personality traits is actually a good thing because it pushes all of us to be a little bit more, like, rounded, I guess. Um, We've all evolved to develop these different personality traits for a reason. It's because we need everybody. If we had all high openness people then like we probably wouldn't get anything done because we'd just be chasing one idea after the other versus, okay, we have a high openness person, but we've also got a high conscientious person who's gonna help break that down into the details and actually execute all of these ideas or help prioritize them, you know, whatever it is. Um, So I don't think that there's necessarily like anything that draws them together based on values, but the biggest thing with personality and working together as a team is self-awareness. If you have people on your team that are not self-aware and aware in, in all terms of personality too, just not your own, but also realizing, hey, you know what, Darby, he's showing these signs of stress that are actually indicative of his personality, so maybe we should take it easy on him versus giving him a hard time and getting frustrated that he's not delivering on time, right? It gives a little bit more empathy when you can look through that lens to say, okay, how am I reacting? One, two, why are they reacting that way? Why, why is there frustration? What can I learn from this? Um, and, and once you get that, then, you know, maybe, yeah, there is a bunch of core values underneath the surface for the entire team, <laughs> but I don't think it's necessarily a prerequisite.
0: It's more just like learning the other, like you said, like learning other people's personalities and learning to work within their confines to kind of, yeah, and, and
2: maybe maybe those core values that are underlining are things like empathy and respect and self awareness.
1: Yeah, I was going to say empathy. I think is one of the, the most um, highly covered leadership qualities that I've learned to to respect is being able to um, not treat everybody the same. Like I used to think at one point, like it was cool the person that treated everybody the same, but that's that's actually not a really effective way of leading. And you really need to understand when you deliver a message, it's not what you say, but it's almost what the other, what they're, what they're hearing, right? My, my dad used to always say, perception's reality. And that's something that I try to think about now. And uh, quite honestly, like as we now have 25 employees ish, we have those, that that number of many personalities. And when we deliver a message, it's so much more, in, ter- in terms of my mind, I feel like I have to be so much more conscientious of, of the messages that we deliver because. I know that that's a lot. It's basically 50 sets of ears that are going to be perceiving that in different ways. And it's important that you somehow you get the message out. that has a uniform resignation with everyone, even though they all may be having their own personal way of digesting that information. Some are saying, what's it mean to me? Some are saying, what's this mean to the team? Some are saying, what's this mean to my coworker? They, everyone kind of has maybe a different, uh, why, uh, which is to your point, um, Earlier, you talked about one of your core values um, was kind of working towards things like your why. And I think for us, we try a lot to make sure that our employees know like, why we ask uh, things of them and why our core values are important to us and why it's important that we demonstrate certain core values or do things a certain way. You know, we uh, we're in a high image uh, spot where a lot of people pay attention to what we do and in, in a, an emerging market it's a really important for us as we feel like to be a good steward of that reputation and you know, sometimes not everyone understands why we do the things that we do but in our mind we have these core values of being a, a tr- being treated like a traditional medical facility and we have to, to go and execute on these things and sometimes that that means that we have maybe a little bit more strict stricter shift than some we're not going to go in and really cater to some of those recreational markets or recreational things. Some of our employees would, would probably prefer that we did right. It's just the, this the reality of, of the things other employees are really happy that we don't. And I think just making sure that everyone shares in a core value of why it's important that we do what we do is, is the most important, not necessarily if, if you even necessarily agree or, or that's how you feel.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, So in all of this, this personality, there's still some physical things that are happening as well, right? So you, uh, uh, one of the things that we try to talk a lot about is kind of the mind-body connection. So um, if we're talking about guardrails, one of the things that I started doing 18 months ago was working out. And that's like a must for me. Uh, We just went through a grand opening and I I missed about like, like 10 days without going to the gym. And all of a sudden I started literally feeling my body changing and uh after simply one day back of a really hard workout um you know i woke up this morning feeling feeling kind of honestly regenerated a bit and um it's it's very evident to me that my stress levels and the way that my mind works my ability to sleep all these things that um are when my, what I used to consider all mental things are all tied to this physical exertion to have some physical activity. So I think yoga is a great way to bring that together. You obviously feel really strongly about that. So tell us a little bit about your journey towards yoga and what it mean to you, what it meant to you.
2: Yeah, I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. And it's like, if I get onto like the third day of not moving my body, then I I feel it mentally, emotionally, everything. It's like, it's very clear. So the movement part of the equation is very important. Um, I think that with yoga, it, it was so unique to me because I played sports growing up. We stretched, you know, before and after, but there was never any like mindfulness to it. It was like, you know, we're counting out loud and that kind of stuff. It's just like,
1: you should make sure you're not out of yeah. count. Right. That was the worst yeah. thing in the world. I wasn't wearing my hamstrings, but heaven forbid my nine. is at- off.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it was a team thing, which is, you know, it's great for sports. Like there's, I'm not knocking that at all, but I just, I never took the time to really turn inward and, and use movement to help guide that. And so when I first left the tech world, um, you know, full-time at least, when I hit my burnout, I was getting migraines, all of that jazz. Um, I, one thing that I did do was I would go to a weekly yoga class and it was at the beach. And I think the outdoor part plus yoga was just exactly what I needed to get back to me every week. And it was like a battery. If I didn't go, I didn't recharge my battery. And I could run, I could do, I could exhaust myself in every other way, but there was something deeper with yoga. And I think that it was, I had one, I had an amazing teacher that just did a phenomenal job at guiding me and teaching me like what yoga actually meant, um, which was bigger than just the poses and the breath work and everything. It was really guiding into things like your intuition and your own wisdom and, and really learning from yourself. Um, but I I had never done that, so even training for marathons, uh, which taught me tons, right, being able to use your breath to guide you through 26 miles is its own challenge, but I never listened that well, and that was because I wanted to get that sticker or whatever, you know, like I wanted the...
1: You were just telling your body, just telling your body what to do all the time and never really listening to what it had to say back, right?
2: Exactly. It's like, just go do this, go do this. You're tired. That's okay. Like drink some water. You'll, you'll be back on the road in tomorrow. Um, so yoga was the first time that I could connect the mind body and being so burnt out in tech and just chronically stressed. It was exactly what I needed. And, and at first things started showing up that I was like, what is going on here? Like I basically blew out my shoulders. I blew out my hips because you know you're used to sitting at a desk and it's just like nonstop slunch like slouching and not standing up often and that kind of stuff and so it takes time to actually bring that back to a healthy state and at first i was rushing it because again i wasn't listening right when i when i started the yoga training it was like i want to be like that next flexible person over there and i just booked externally. And then as soon as I got injured, I was like, all right, this isn't going to (laughs) work. Like I've got two more months of doing this. I cannot get the, I can't continue at this pace. And that at that point was when I said my intention for the foreseeable future, which by the way, it's still my intention is to be patient, be patient with myself because being in a world of tech and I think anybody can relate to it in 2020, especially that everything's being thrown at us so quickly." That we're, we expect instant gratification. It's like what? What's next? How do we, you know, feed, feed, feed? Like just keep giving me this adrenaline. And when I don't have it, I feel really bad. And so going from a tech world where I was like really good at what I did, always checking notifications, to going to yoga where I was like, I know nothing about my body. I know nothing about like my mind and how it all connects and I have to now teach this to other people? Like, this is really hard. This is really, really hard. It was super humbling, and uh, that's, yeah, and then it was just like, okay, I need to be patient, and now the self-awareness switch has been flipped on, and sometimes I have to dim it because I'm like, this is too much. I'm learning too much about myself. There's some trauma that I'm bringing up, whatever, and I need to dim it so I can get actual work done, but it's a beautiful thing to be in control of. And I think that that's what yoga does, is it gives you that switch. And at first, you're going to be like, ah, that's on and off. Like, that's too much. Or it's great, it's bright, awesome. But over time, you learn that there's a dimmer and that you can control that.
0: Yeah. And I, I uh, yeah, I, I started doing a little bit of yoga. I don't do it as much as, like, I used to. But me and my wife kind of we were like, okay, stress. Like, I've always been physically active. But I never stretched ever. (laughs) So like you could just tell. Um, but I, I, and I still bring it back and do it like once or twice a week. And even for 20 or 30 minutes, just that little bit of a reset, um, between that and like breathing for me. So like even really simple breath techniques, like I'll do box breathing before I work out and I can just completely reset my body and I can just go in and like with a clear mind not have any real intentions, just focus on what I want to. And it's pretty crazy. And I use the breath work and I've tried to teach it to my little ones when they get upset or they're mad, like, okay, go out. And, just, you could, and it's crazy to think that just by doing that breath work, it's just that little simple kind of reset goes so far and like, you know, getting your mind back to like a really good place.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely engaging a system within your body that relaxes you. And so, like, I used to always say, like, before you leave and enter a room, like, take a deep breath, right? Do that reset. It doesn't have to be long. You don't need an hour to meditate. You can meditate just by moving from one place to the next, right, and just say, okay, I'm going to take that deep breath, check in with myself, and then I'm moving on. Because a lot of times we just carry stuff from one place to the next, and we never let it go. But that breath can allow us to do that very quickly.
1: Yeah, and I think um, that like so, I'm in the very infancy stages of taking a couple of yoga classes and trying to see where it falls in my regiment. Um, but I appreciate the humblingness of it, and kind of the, um, in a world where I'm constantly around people in yoga, like if you can't get your palm to the floor, or you can't like, it's, there's no one to look around to. Like it, it's all you, right? And it, and it does require you to listen to your body. And I think there's also that that um, that humblingness of just like you're on that mat. Like, there's nowhere where you can go. Like, you just kind of have to, like, deal with some things and, and through breath and through... And I've had fairly um, fast progressions. Like, you know, like, I've seen some results of already, just like Chuck mentioned, some of the breathing exercises, um, some of that light work has been really good for me. Even, like, um, even just implementing some of, like, the additional planking throughout the day and, um, just doing these different things that allow me to kind of, like, to your point, connect with my body. And like, even if it's only for one minute and I'm just focusing on keeping my core muscles and not falling to the ground, like that's one minute that I'm not thinking about the business. My, our 20 employees, the MMCC screwing something up if they were to ever do that, not saying <laughs> same that they ever do. Um, but all these different things that happen, it's, it's, uh, you, you can't, it's like you, um. If you put all your focus on one thing, then you're impossible to focus on the other things, and it's it's like a mini vacation in a world where we're constantly being getting emails, and there's no like I'll see you guys tomorrow at the office, and you leave at five o'clock, and like maybe you saw something in the newspaper that riled things up in the morning, but other than that, like there was no news until nine a.m. Yeah. the next day. You know, there's there's that's not the environment that that we live in, and. To, uh, you almost have to, to to have those interruptions of, of the day-to-day before um, you go crazy. Like, we, we... I think... I'm constantly also trying to just understand, like, where we've come as, like, human beings. Like, a hundred years ago, there was so much manual labor in our day-to-day life where you actually had to go get your own water. Like, you had to, like... There wasn't all these modern conveniences that would allow you to just focus on all these other things. Like... Mm-hmm. What does that mean, and, and how do you supplement some of those those fa- those artifacts of of, of f- what human existence has been up until the technology era, to give your body something that it's it's seeking from like a, an, I don't know an ancient perspective. Yeah, you know well, what I mean, like a, just yeah. like
0: a. I mean, your body's been a human, like, human
1: being itself is an evolution yeah. of, of thousands of years. It's only been a hundred years. It's only been a hundred years since there's even been what a telegraph machine yeah. or a telephone and damn near 20 years since everyone had a cell phone in their pocket. Like it's, it's, it's crazy that we made such quick advancements and our lives are so much different. And I just think without pausing for a second and being mindful of what all those changes mean to us. What's it mean that our food isn't being picked out of a well, field anymore, that it's, it's being made in a place that, you know, that's a, a factory. What does this mean? You know, I think they don't find this interesting. I heard this theory recently that... Just so you know, real quick, Brandon says we're not going to get cut off on time so we can keep going.
2: Awesome. Um, I heard a theory recently that's kind of related to this, that hundreds of years ago, Uh, cannabis was part of the diet whether that was hemp or you know anything right so that's actually where the endocannabinoid system originated was because we were consuming it so like so
1: like all the lives the hemp was everywhere then the the livestock were eating hemp that that we were basically getting these connect to your point we were getting these cannabinoids androgynously through our food and through our diet hemp seeds all these different. I mean, when you look at staple diets of the colonial era, I mean, they were eating lots of hemp. They were utilizing this hemp plant in a variety of different ways—oils, topicals. So um, it's it's interesting yeah. to think about that, right? And like all of a sudden, you you just ban it and take it out of the diets. You take it, and then we see all these diseases that are unexplainable. And I, I'm not to your point. Like I don't want to draw a line that far, but I will draw the line as far as Whoa. saying that the monumental changes in the diets of, the, of, of Americans and the patients that we see absolutely are causing um, these unexplainable diseases. And a lot of um, good work is being done by addressing the imbalances of an endocannabinoid system and a diet. I mean, the last guest that we had on was a dietician um, because we feel so strongly that a lot of our patients' diets are causing their inflammation. They're causing some of their mental um mental health concerns like you know sugar is is a wild drug when you look at what it does to a body unchecked and like if it's being consumed through a drink like pepsi all day long and things like this there's a lot of consequences that unfortunately a lot of a lot of people aren't mindful of they, they're not connecting the dots they, they're starting to but they didn't for a long time
2: and and going back to the environmental studies degree from Salisbury, right? We were learning, like, okay, what's what happens when you subsidize corn? Everybody grows corn, right? And then what happened after that? High fructose corn syrup. What happened after that? Diabetes, right? Like, there, you can trace pretty much anything back to a source, you know? It, it, it's, it doesn't mean it's always going to be accurate that you're like, I figured out diabetes. No, but, like, oh, no. you start to draw some lines that start to make a lot of sense that at the end of the day, there's an incentive behind everything. And I think that, um, you know, just the more that we can be aware of those things and make the make the jump to say, you know what, instead of eating this crap, I'm going to really listen to like what my body's telling me and also do the work to understand what it needs. Um, whether that's, you know, the right food, the right exercise, whatever. Uh, another thing that I think, disease is um, a really, or what's causing a lot of disease too, is our stress, right? Like the level of stress that we're under is completely different than anything in history. Not only because we're working really hard and it's like, you know, a lot of it's not tied to maybe those core values that we have, but also we're doing it in isolation. Like a lot of people are working from home, they're doing it, you know, on their own. They don't necessarily have a family they go home to. Like people are more alone now than they ever have. And that, you can see that in just like single bedroom apartments and people living alone. They don't have that human connection that helps relieve a lot of that stress. Um, and loneliness is ex- like one of the worst things for your body. Um, so I, I remember reading peak performance and the equation that stuck with me and continues to stick with me is stress plus rest equals growth. And within stress, you have the ability to control how you perceive that as well. And if you're perceiving stress as something that is welcomed and something that is going to teach you and help you grow, then you are going to be a happier and healthier person versus, oh my gosh, I have to do this again. And, you know, like life is a constant challenge. I'm always the victim that is going to cause disease.
0: It's a mindset. And that goes back to like, and, you know, and for me it's always been like that mindset, right? And I've always see like I love to challenge myself no matter what it is, to try new things, to you know, run extra hard to work out, to do these different things and like I know that if I don't stress my body and my mind in those good kind of natural ways, I guess, like stress is gonna come in eventually. And it's gonna be in a negative way and it's gonna impact you negatively. And like so many people, I feel like this day and age, it's weird because everybody wants to sit inside, go on social media and just look at things. And to Darby's point, eat crappy food all day long and they're not challenging themselves to grow. They're not challenging themselves in good, stressful ways. And all of a sudden they have, to your point, like this victim mentality where everything happens to them for a reason. And all of a sudden this stress is just, they're just, inundated with it and they don't know how to deal with it. And I think that's a really big problem with a lot of people. Yeah, it
1: definitely, uh, it definitely can be consuming to folks. Um, and I think, uh, to take it even one step further from one of my observations and in, in being in this position is a lot of addiction issues. They actually are driven through stress and that loneliness component that, that, that lack of connection, um, and feeling isolated and then feeling kind of like drugs fill that void. And, and that comes in a lot of different ways, but I, um, you know, I would hope that as we were, as bringing this, this, this campus to fruition, you know, one of the things that I had to struggle with was is what does your model look like now in a post COVID world? And, and my, my observation was is people are more stressed out now than ever people need small exercise classes and yoga and all these things that we're going to do in the community room more than ever they need cannabis as an option so they're not quickly getting on xanax and all these other much stronger sometimes very appropriate and very applicable medicines but oftentimes over prescribed and uh and substituting a better diet more activity more exercise and a more long-term stable solution and we're just trying to Trying to promote that because it, it doesn't seem like there's a, a mindfulness of it, especially in, in underserved communities like the Eastern Shore of Maryland, where, um, you know, you have lots of Title One schools and you have these this sometimes subsidy programs that it's much easier for them to get canned food than it is fresh vegetables. It's easier for them to get some of these these products, and it becomes a cultural thing right, where mom, grandma, great-grandma, everyone did these things, so this is kind of what's embedded in me, and sometimes just breaking those those norms in a, in a wellness campus like this, explaining how much diet uh, can impact you, gut health to mental health, um, balancing your endocannabinoid system, balancing inflammation, stress, all these different things, you know, I think now is needed more than ever, and one of the things that we learned with the dispensary was that Cannabis is a super effective tool for stress. A lot of people, one of the things that they love about cannabis is that it's helpful for stress. But they were just coming in with, with these monumental problems and issues and quite honestly, like, you know, behavioral things that they're doing to themselves trying to find which strain is going to make their life better. And it was just like, look, I'm not here to tell you that any of this is going to help you at all. Like, I yeah. matter of fact, I refuse because I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you can't solve... This is a tool that you can use to maybe help reduce your stress so then you go out and walk and exercise and get your body moving and help reduce that. And you know what I mean? It's just like it was this, this cycle of pattern that I knew unless we had the wellness shop with supplements that folk people are lacking because of their diets are lacking and and sometimes it's easier to get them to take a supplement than a completely change course of a diet that they've had for the last 30 years. Um implementing good.
2: I was just going to say and I think that a lot of this draws back to personality too because I think about my own experience and like you know, burnout, all that, like, while I was running from the idea that, like, I needed to leave tech, and I needed to pursue this other path, like, deep down, I was just very unhappy, and I, like, didn't want to get out of bed, you know, it was just, like, oh, I have to do this again, and I, yeah, I was, cannabis was part of my diet, right, it was, like, before, when I get home from work, it would just, helped me tune everything out, but like at the end of the day, I wasn't addressing what was really going to make me happy. I was using it to cope, and for that period of my life, it made sense, like it helped me, it really did, and I'm very thankful for my experience with it, but at, at the end of the day, I had to make significant changes in order to live a more sustainable life, and now cannabis is more of a spiritual thing for me, right? And so that's, but it's important to say that uh, for high openness people, they are more likely to get addicted to drugs, Um, so knowing that about myself, I need to check and say like, am I, well, what am I actually using this for? Am I using it because I'm in a social setting and I'm connecting with those around me or I'm connecting with nature and that this is part of my spiritual journey? Or am I using this to run away from that daily life? Um, because those are very different scenarios and I'm lucky that I don't have, you know, significant health issues that I need a specific you know cannabis strand to help fix you know i think that they like ptsd and like some of these other like research that's being done it totally makes sense right like it's like yeah you're gonna sleep better you're gonna have a better life you can actually go outside because you feel confident enough to do that like that's a different ballpark than running right running from what's really
1: causing yeah, it goes back to that personality thing, to your point, 100%, and us having to address our patients, and that's why part of the patient services came to light was because through these consultations, we can learn a lot about, you know, with through, like, the addiction of opioids, we, we deal with a lot of patients that come to us that are addicted to opioids, and it was amazing to me how much different their personalities are. Everything from... The guy who's had the same office job for 25 years and was in a horrible car accident and the doctor gave him three-month supply day one, he was in a ton of pain, and then the next thing you know, it just became his new normal to take pills every day, not really, it was kind of this like slow, slow decline, versus... You know, maybe someone has come in and, and they've tried every pill under the sun and opioids just happen to be the, the most dangerous of the ones that they did. So the personality plays so much into it and um and just understanding kind of also um, in an ADD segue. You talked about earlier um, about sometimes knowing about how much to unpack and address your self-awareness and that sometimes you can't just... Just open the whole box up and go, oh my gosh, I realize all these things about myself. This is so overwhelming. Now I can't do anything about it, right? Like you have to have some level of awareness to say sometimes, okay, I know this about myself, but that's going to be a process to get there. So I'm going to be aware of that, but I'm not going to let it consume me. I think sometimes cannabis can be really effective in that. Sometimes cannabis can be really helpful in in digesting some of that. But then you really got to make that next action to start alleviating that problem. you got to make that next action to start um, to getting there. And I think, you know, when I was at American Express of all places, they started hammering home a growth mindset for the first time. And um, it was so eye-opening to me when I started looking at at some of my – (laughs) because <laughs> I feel like I always had growth mindset. I'm curious by nature. I really like to learn and educate. I like to challenge myself. But I could tell that some of the sales folks that have been in American Express for 15 years with pretty kosher jobs, they weren't really looking to grow too much, right? They 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 had that fixed mindset. And they, they put the the infamous graph on the on the wall, right? And the growth mindset in blue and the fixed mindset in red. And they go through everything and they're reading them off all by one. And you can see people with the fixed mindsets in their heads start going down more and more. And, because they're uncomfortable by nature of any type of change. So even introducing a mindset, like growth mindset is a change element for them that makes them uncomfortable. And it was just interesting to to start from a psychological standpoint, understanding, wow, uh, I am so much better at or so much more open to dealing with change as a personality than many of my coworkers will ever be. And that's actually a, a really good tool for me, right? That allows me to... to to take chances when other people won't. It allows us to, to, to go like that. So just understanding that personality is, is kind of interesting.
2: Definitely. And I think like to your point of the growth mindset, you know, when I was working at growth hackers, we were really just helping companies adopt a certain process and that was the growth process. So with any company, it was okay. Identify, one, how you get value. So I think that that goes back to like the core values for like, if we're to draw the comparisons from company to individual core values, that's how an individual would get value out of life. And then what's the biggest opportunity or what is the biggest thing holding you back? And like, if it's, I can't sleep well, and so it's causing the rest of my life to just suffer, then that's something to hone in on and then say, okay, now it's a feedback loop. It's positive feedback loop where we're coming up with As many ideas as we can to figure out how to sleep better, right? I'm going to go to bed earlier, I'm going to try lavender tea, I'm going to try some CBD, you know, whatever. And then testing those and being able to say, hey, you know what, the lavender tea didn't work, but the CBD did wonders. So now I'm going to add that into my routine. And then that comes back to like coming up with new ideas. And then before you know it, you actually start to achieve this problem. And then you realize, okay, that's not the biggest problem anymore. What's next? And then now it's exercise or movement. And so it's a, a more gradual approach where you're you get small wins. You don't always get wins, but you get small wins. And then you're able to incorporate those into your daily habits or weekly habits. And, and and like that's how I've approached all of my like daily and weekly habits. And it's been really oh I think a lot better than my initial approach, which was just this is the way I want to live, and now I'm going to live this way because three days in, I'd be like, that's too hard. I'm done. <laughs> and it, and they weren't even the habits that I necessarily needed. I just thought I did because I saw it online somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. I think a lot it's of times to your point, like you see something all like if you're in this growth world and you're, you're constantly open to adopting new things, sometimes it's, it's, you know, it can be overwhelming in terms of, of where to go next and, and what's the most important and, um, and you just make decisions. I mean, you know, for everyone, it's got to be different. And I think understanding what gives you the most gratification—maybe it's it's playing a contact sport, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's you know, it's it's three contact sport nights a month and then one yoga session, right? So it's just finding that balance.
0: It's a self awareness, right? Everybody's different, so you got to kind of pick and choose and experiment with things until you find what's right, kind of for you.
1: Um, you know that that stress. Uh, plus rest equals growth That I think that is so important and I also really appreciate the fact that you can look at stress in a positive way like to P- Chuck's point like I've always, my openness to change has always come with stress but I've always been like, you know, my ability to handle the stress will be kind of the dictation of, of my success in general, it's kind of how I've always felt and I think um, now that I also understand how important it is to rest as well is that okay if I'm going to run at a thousand miles an hour, then maybe that means at two o'clock on a Tuesday, even if someone's maybe looking at me weird, I'm going to the gym for an hour because I know that, that my level of stress or my ability to handle the stress that comes with what I need to do to get done is going to be much more um, it'll be mitigated uh, in a better way than if I just try to grind through that two to three hour time frame. Don't do any self-care don't take a break from this just to try to prove to myself that like I can outgrind grind the next guy. Like to me, that was like a young man's game before kids. Yeah. Now it's like, it's about working smart. It's about, um, knowing, cause I think to your point, like if you've never had that burnout experience, sometimes it seems mythical. It doesn't actually seem like something that could happen to you. And then when it does happen to you, it's pretty humbling and be like, holy crap. Um, you, know, right. that's kind like
2: of what... you think you have an idea of what it is and then you experience it, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> and and also burnout too. Like, so I kind of look at like the stress plus rest equals growth like as a pendulum, right? So you could go from like being super stressed to very rested, and then like there's also anxiety that can come with that because if you're not adding enough of the good stress, then you know, you're. It,
0: that's we call that. Longer. We
1: call that day two at Chuck Hen's vacation.
0: Yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I can't go on vacation for more than like three days. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm doing absolutely nothing. Like, but that's just. I, but I know that that's. That's you, That's right? me, and I know that that's like something that you know I've learned to cope with it. And then okay, then I'm still going to get up at 4:30 in the morning. I'm going to go run and do these other things, and then I can still enjoy those pieces of my vacation spending that time with the family and stuff like that it's just kind of you know so it-
2: that's an opportunity of growth for you too right to be able to say like how do i slow down and actually enjoy this time that i have because you know it's a it's a shifting of mindset to say yeah i'm actually going to be better off when i get back if i take this week and actually dedicate it to rest and like rest is really hard for a lot of people and i it's kind of crazy i coach a lot of founders and my job is primarily to give permission for people to rest. You know, it's like, take time, like take a day off. I want you to go to the sauna or like whatever. I want you to just melt it all off and then like report back to me. And like every single time they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea how much I needed that. Right. And it's just, we don't realize how much we're carrying around with us until we start to release it. And then it's like, why was I not doing that before? Now it's part of my routine, right? Now it's every month or every week or whatever it is.
1: When you're in a leadership role and it's your responsibility to take care of your employees and you have that mindset, like we do, we literally, like I really, when I pull in that parking lot, these are my, you know, it's my responsibility to provide for them. This is my job to make sure that they have a job moving forward in six months and six years. Um, we're looking out for them, right? But there's not always anyone making uh, those same judgment yeah. calls for the sea levels, same same type of, of of nets. We try to do it within our leadership team. We try to keep an eye on each other and be mindful of what's going on. But like, I don't know. I mean, quite frankly, there's just so much stressful stuff. It's it's almost tough to be able to, you know. It's like sorry, you have to get sorry, you have all this shit going on, but. You know, we still have to get our license fee and we still have to, like, (laughs) get our shit done. Like, sorry. Sorry
2: Integration. I mean, it sounds like you're already doing a really good job with just being able to say, like, hey, I'm leaving at 2 to go work out. Or I'm using this next 10 minutes to check in with myself, my mini vacation. Like, I love that idea. Like, even being able to just label, like, a a 10-minute meditation as a vacation, which I think, like, internally, that's kind of how I perceive it. I'm like, ooh, I get to go, like – tune into myself, like, this is great. Uh, But it takes time to develop. And I think that so many people start, and they don't know why they're doing it. And they they just don't see the value in it. And so it really starts with why do you want to do this? Like, do you want to have a more authentic life and live, you know, where you don't run away from things all the time, but you're addressing them? You know, it's a lot of uncomfortable stuff that you have to go through. But you also get to experience so much more in life, whether you know, like, and it's appreciation for life, but it's also appreciation for the shitty things in life, because you know that on the other side of that shitty thing, you're going to have a better appreciation for the, the next great thing.
1: That's awesome. I think that's actually a good point to end. Is there anything that we missed? Is there anything that you want to get out? Please make sure you, you, know, you give any of your, your website and any uh, social, media social media information you want to get out there.
2: Yeah, well, this has been fun. I always, i always love talking to you, Darby. Um, So yeah, my website's growthgal.com and I'm working on a personality page. So if someone wants to take the personality assessment that I've written the feedback for, uh, which will give you insight into your personality based on Hexaco and also like how you function in teams, both optimally and also when you're under stress. So I think it's a really good resource for any team as well. Um, but I'll, I'll add that on that page. So growthgal.com backslash personality um, and on Instagram at growthgal. So, yeah.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much. I love the work that you're doing. Keep it up and uh, keep, keep growing.
2: Back at you. <laughs> thanks for thanks,
1: having thanks,
0: me. Thanks, Danny. See you later. <laughs>